0: Psychology and counseling and stuff like that, their approach to early childhood development and rearing was just, I would say in retrospect, just amazing and a blessing. Um, they, you know, went as far as instituting something that was called the Jackson Academy. If your kid wants to come to kindergarten, they have to know like their ABCs, one, two, three, right? And so instead of just singing the ABC song and practicing one plus one, our parents like went to perform with it. Hey, We're going to create a little Jackson Academy for our little tots and we're going to teach them, you know, their ABCs, one, two, threes, but it didn't stop there. It transformed into, Hey, let's, you have a little designated time after school to go over your homework. You know, what did your teacher say to you in class today? X, Y, Z. Once you got to middle school, you know, inspecting our book bags. Hey, you got everything, you got your textbooks. Hey, you have a test coming up, like just, and then it kind of transitioned and transformed um, over time with our age to become more appropriate for where we're at in life so by the time we hit college it's questions about hey have you followed up with the guidance counselor for college you know and that type of stuff and so we talk about being able to like hit the ground running grinding and stuff like that you know it was that environment of positive feedback a positive reinforcement in our household from our parents uh, really uh, that started at early age
1: what's up everybody it's willie and alex from the black culture podcast i know you're ready to get into this video but before you do that
2: make sure to subscribe to our channel and follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at the black culture podcast willie yo uh very very interesting uh group of guests on this morning man yes sir Two brothers, very educated, very... One's actually in the
1: music. We'll get into that later. You can see them flexing. I think that's a, two bass guitars in the back looking <laughs> nice. These two brothers are smart. I know a little bit about Cedric, but this Carlin character, I can't wait to get to know more about him.
2: <laughs> yeah. Last night we was talking, we want to um, officially title this episode Brothers in Tech which has a double entendre to it, you know what I mean? <laughs> you guys are actually brothers. So, Cedric Jackson, Carlin Jackson, welcome to the Black Culture Podcast, gentlemen. Thanks for having us, man. Glad to be Very here. Very
1: glad to be here. All right, let's start it with the Black Culture Podcast tradition, as always. Toast it up. And I feel oh, like it's a real toast. <laughs> hey! Do the birch- nah, yes, ah, there, there we go, go, there we go. There
2: we go. <laughs> there we go.
1: <laughs> All right, oh, yeah fellas let's jump right into it let's uh so cj you gave us a little bit insight uh when we had a meeting with you last week of how you got into it
2: so let's okay, start off just 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 for the audience uh so they know he's calling him cj because it's cedric jackson jr so okay yeah so
1: <laughs> cj and then we got carlin I'm, I'm gonna get a nickname for carlin before the end of the show too by the way <laughs> clearly cj's already taken but we're gonna figure that out man <laughs> right all right, so uh, let's start with, with uh, my man, Carlin. Carla, how did you first like find this passion to be in like technology and to like to do what you do? First off, tell us about your career. What do you do?
0: So I'm uh, a consultant, a technology and strategy consultant. So I work with businesses on helping them operate and run better. And the main way that I do that is by utilizing technology so, these days, pretty much any business, even the ones that you don't think might be a tech business, you could pretty much find a way that you can utilize technology to make them better. Like, if your job is to clean the streets, maybe you got to email your boss and maybe you maybe didn't have a computer. My recommendation to you is hey, here's a phone that you can look at what your boss is emailing you while you're on the street sweeping. Now, that's a contrived example, but the point is, you know when you analyze a business or a project, there's typically some way that you know, the stakeholders can utilize technology to make the situation better. And at a high level, that's kind of what I do figure those things out.
1: All right. So first off, how old are you? I am 27, T- 27 and <laughs> you're,
2: you're, <better> than you. <laughs> you're right. And he's
1: like, he's well, like well established. And I know you have more that you want to get into, but like, when did you realize that hey man, I want to get into like computers and technology? Like, was it in high school? First off, I know you're gonna shout out the high school you went to because <laughs> Ale- Alex is on here, so <laughs>
0: go ahead, get it out. People, high school. I mean, there you what, go. You know, some <laughs> okay. things don't need to be said, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> so, where did you find uh, a love for Where does passion come from? So, um. My earliest memories playing around with technology actually is in church. Um, Mm. You know, where the audiovisual systems at our local church. Um, As a kid, I am very grateful that instead of like shooing me away and say, "Hey, get away from this! Don't touch that," they allowed me to play around, help set up, break down things. You know, I got intrigued with. You said as a kid. As a kid, yeah.
1: Man, I would really get look. my
0: hand patted down as a
1: kid touching anything.
0: <laughs> you was being invited to touch it, man. Well, that's
2: because you was a bad kid. That's bad.
0: Ah, <laughs> it. But I think it was part of it, it was like, hey, extra set of hands to help, you know, mm-hmm. do stuff. If, I guess the key was if you could be obedient and follow instructions, you know, they'd be like, fine, we'll use you to carry stuff. You know, a little fit child laborer. <laughs> but
3: uh it's true it's true it sounds
0: harsh but it's true
2: you be sitting minding your
0: business what are you doing get up and do something (laughs) (laughs) but in all honesty it was you know opportunities you know plug things in here over there and you just get really intrigued with how things work and i think that was kind of the really key um, underlying theme across all my curiosities into different subjects. It's all born of my desire to understand how things work. And so, you know, when you go down that path, it's like, how does this audio, you know, church sound system work? Then from there went to being curious about how video systems work. And then just, you know, computer networks and then computers themselves and then programming. And, you know, of course, this is a story that, you know, has played out over many years of time from childhood through college, but that kind of same underlying question is how does this work? So yeah, the, I say
2: the the roots of that are actually just my experiences being in church. Actually, so fellas, this is Black History Month, and um, generally during Black History Month, especially growing up, we learned about individual Black accomplishments from whether it was someone who invented something or someone who was part of civil rights movement but rarely do we talk about black families right successful black families and you two are brothers in tech actual real brothers grew up under the same household how common is it to have family members and i would say in the same industry but just different sides of the industry both successful and growing how common is that is that something that you see in your work a lot
3: To be completely honest, it's not something that I see a whole lot. Um, It probably does exist. I just haven't seen it a lot. But I feel like as times progress and perhaps opportunities are made more readily available, you will start to see more of it. Uh, But, yeah, that's unfortunately something I haven't seen a lot of. So I, I realize that I'm in a pretty awesome
1: situation to have a younger brother who's also into tech. Hey guys, it's Willie from the Black Culture Podcast. I know you're
2: enjoying this dope interview, but before you continue, make sure to like, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Black Culture Podcast. So so let's let's get into your story then, uh CJ. Mm-hmm. Cuz uh you're a very interesting guy as well. <laughs> and, Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and and but you're the older brother too, yes. right? So yep. Well, so let's get back, let's kind of take a trip back in the past of how it was growing up in that environment and two of you being as curious and talented as you are, as well as how did you get involved in tech and kind of nurture him in a sense, you know what I mean?
3: Honestly, so it actually goes back further than maybe even, or maybe around the same time as like church and tinkering and that type of thing. Our dad was very technical in that he loved to tinker with things uh video cassettes that type of thing i remember used to play with my dad's camera and tripod and stuff like that even as like a toddler like i used to flip the vacuum around and act like i was playing keyboard i've always been very uh intrigued by how things work together and can i can i install this on this like even back to like elementary school uh we had pieces of drum set around in like the band room Spread across to like the gym back room. And I I started thinking, wait a second, if I could put the pieces of these drum set parts together, then I don't have to play just the snare anymore. I could play the drum set. And lo and behold, (laughs) I was able to do that. So, like, I think a big part of me being technical was just kind of the environment that was nurtured in the household. Uh, But getting into your second part, as far as being able to grow up with a brother in a house who was also technical. I think I definitely fed off of Carlin's curiosity and perhaps he did mine. Um, we've always been tinkers when it comes to like software and learning how things work. Um, even dating back to like, you know, uh, if you guys had like Sony Walkmans or like MPD players, try to figure out the best way to get music onto them. Um, and, you know, listen to all the music that was on CDs and transfer them and stuff. So I'd say definitely we were in an environment that nurtured it. And I think we both, me and Carla fed off of each other's curiosity.
2: Mm, okay. So, hey, real quick, Willie, for you go, hey, uh, Cedric, what high school did you go to? Oh my Cleveland God. Heights. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, man. I just, just had to do it. <laughs> gotta, get another, gotta get
1: another eagle on this podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for for the audience, these two gentlemen come from, as Alex and I have discussed, a successful family. We talking lawyers, we're talking attorneys, we're talking social workers. So with that being said, how was it like growing up, like figuring out where do you guys, your career path? Was it like pressure because you have all these and you even said your dad was into tech. Was it like pressure? That's like man, thank you. Was it like, man, I gotta make sure I'm doing so. Or was it just, was it just normal? Like it's just, it's just so something you just fell into.
3: The latter, what you said, literally the, the environment was, it was assumed. You're, yeah, you're going to higher education Like they never really had to say it. It was just like something that was the standard. So um, there was never any forcing. It was like we subconsciously were willing to do what it took to get to the next level. So, um, you know, from middle school to high school, even though I very much uh, was into music, God worked things out to where I began to really focus in on uh, the education aspect So that when it was time for college, like okay, now I see my way clearly to college, you know that type of thing. So to answer your question again, like I think there was just like an unsaid standard as far as okay, uh, you know, God has a plan for you, and part of it might actually be higher education. So you need to make sure that you're doing what you need to do in order for that to happen. So yeah, I I I can never say that I felt a whole lot of pressure. I think it was just the standard.
1: So
2: let me, let me. I think you about to say, ask the
1: same thing I said, but go ahead.
2: Yeah, probably. So I want to ask Carlin, you being a younger brother, he just mentioned the standard. What, what, what was the standard? Like how, how, how do you set the standard and you growing up? What, what was it like for you in that, in that same household?
0: Yeah. So to kind of speak at least from the higher education side of it, um, you know, when you think about K to 12, I mean, kindergarten or first grade whatever it's just like you you don't even think about it your goal is to get to 12th grade right like to graduate high school it's you know people don't have to like hey remember the goal is to graduate high school it's just you kind of learn about it from your peers just through the institution itself that school is something that you finish elementary school you finish middle school you finish high school and so I guess the best way to put it is that around those are early because we had examples of aunts, uncles, family members who were in college. It wasn't, you know, finish high school. It was just like finish college. So it was like literally like freshman year college is 13th grade. Like it's as natural as that. It was never just the notion that, okay, high school, then something, something big, maybe college, maybe something else. It was literally just, you know, you're not done. (laughs) It's like, okay. Um, And so I would say that's kind of this quote unquote standard from high school, Um, I mean for higher education, but in terms of like, you know, maybe a more general notion of like excellence, like maybe in career or just other parts of your life, I think it was really the standard was, are you doing the best you can? Are you putting into it everything that you feel that you should? And when we feel, of course, we kind of go a little deeper being, you know, Christians, you know, you know, if you're praying about it, if you're prayerful and you feel like God is having you to do something, well, then are you putting your 110% to what you feel you're led to do? Sometimes you, you know, for some people that's not to pursue higher education. Maybe it's to directly start pursuing a vocation, or maybe it's to invest all their time into supporting their family for that stage of their life, and that maybe. They're supposed to be a non-traditional student later in life. Whatever the situation is, the standard of our family was, are you doing your best? It's like for me, sometimes that meant getting D's in classes or C's in classes. But I think the overall trend for me was I was able to have success because if I knew that that C was the best I could do, maybe that's just a sign, okay, for this subject, for this situation, that's not it for me. <laughs> Not to cut uh, you off,
1: but I'm not buying that you got D's. I just want to throw that out there. Oh,
0: I, I case my freshman and sophomore year, there was a couple of classes where I got D's. No lie, it was hard. It was rough. It was the first time, but I was like, okay, well, you know, now I know <laughs> the subject ain't it. <laughs> All right, so but,
2: oh, yeah, no, but
0: I think part of it was like, you know, it could have been when I when that happened, it could have been a situation of, oh, do I accept this as an internal failure or do i just use this learning opportunity to say okay i did my best wasn't good enough here let me retool try again later
1: okay so obviously you guys both mentioned the standard the standard was already set so let's because because after this i'm sure alex is going to jump into cj's career but before we do that explain to me how different it was because a lot of kids in high school they don't have a standard they may have a standard but the standard may not be as high as your your family has set for you guys was it do you did you guys feel like different or did you feel pressure or did you feel like everyone like like the weight of the world was on your shoulder because you guys live with a standard not and definitely black families a lot of a great standard or a standard period is not set in the household. And you can tell now looking at what you guys do now that, like you said, the standard was set. So explain how it was being in school, being those, and I'm sure you guys in school were made know, known as the, the quote unquote, as they say, the smart guys in school, uh, <laughs> like explain uh, to like the standard, how what was it in school?
3: Honestly, for me, I think nine t- ninth, 10th and 11th grade, Those were like, I need to really grind. I need to really grind. Um, 11th year, that's when I really started focusing on okay, there's life after high school. You know, what on earth am I going to do? Again, the standard was set that in giving your best, perhaps higher education was the next thing. Um, So I think I definitely felt a sense of purpose. Uh, because of the examples that were set for me or uh, in my atmosphere, um, so I, I didn't really start feeling pressure um, until like maybe midway through my level grade year. But I feel like that might have been the same pressure or close to the same pressure that all uh, uh, kids back then would maybe experience. Like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, you know, I'm about to be an adult, 18. You know, that type of thing. So. I felt I feel like I felt like a healthy amount of pressure, uh, but only really towards once I got to the end of my high school journey.
1: So you guys were well ahead because you said you grinded immediately in ninth and fifth grade, and I know you guys seen this a lot in high school. A lot of kids don't start grinding until eleventh grade, and then you look up, man, I don't have all my credits, man, I need to do this. So the fact that you came, like most freshmen going to high school, like yo, man, I'm in high school, like <laughs> like it's a, it's a new experience. So shout out to mom jackson and dad jackson <laughs> they like literally they prepared you guys because like i said definitely in kennedy not saw a lot of kids that went in man ninth and tenth grade was just hanging out chilling and then you get to 11th 12th grade man i graduate next year i need to make sure and you behind so you guys seem like you were already ahead of the game yeah.
3: dude
0: and i, yeah. I, I, I we be remiss not to shout out our parents because really one about them we're not here clearly but two um you know, it's almost like the environment of our household was like a almost a perfect setup, for like a lab experiment. You know, uh, from my mom's professional education, educational training, of uh, being like a organizational wizard and master. So you're talking about understanding how to organize the operations of a household. You know, and to my dad's um, background and uh, educational background and religion and um, Psychology and counseling and stuff like that. Their approach to early childhood development and rearing was just, I would say, retrospect, just amazing and a blessing. Um, they, you know, went as far as instituting something that was called the Jackson Academy, and what that was is basically, you know, there was a, the standard of our Cleveland Heights education system was that if your kid wants to come to kindergarten, they have to know like their ABCs, one, two, three, right? And so instead of just singing the ABC song and practicing one plus one, our parents like went super formal with it. Hey, we're going to create a little Jackson Academy for our little tots. And we're going to teach them, you know, their ABCs, one, two, threes. But it didn't stop there. You know, once we did get to kindergarten, it transformed into, hey, let's, you have a little designated time after school to go over your homework. You know, what did your teacher say to you in class today? X, Y, Z, once you got to middle school, You know, inspecting our book bags. Hey, you got everything? You got your textbooks? Hey, you have a test coming up. Like just, And then it kind of transitioned and transformed um, over time with our age to become more appropriate for where we're at in life. So by the time we hit college, it's questions about, hey, have you followed up with the guidance counselor for college? You know, and that type of stuff. And so we talk about being able to like hit the ground running, grinding and stuff like that. You know, it was that environment of positive feedback, positive reinforcement in our household from our parents, uh, really, uh, that started at an early age.
2: Wow, that's awesome, man. And I think we just interviewed um, Ron Johnson. I think you guys remember him from Men's Monday. And we kind of had a little bit of this conversation with him, but he was talking about how these conversations need to start when you're in like fifth and sixth grade. You know, you obviously grew up in a in a in a household where they were intentional and purposeful about programming your mind to be and to think successfully, right? So, CJ, want to hop into you? So, um, shout out to the heights. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, man! Um, but give me a you, break. You you, <laughs> you literally just left a high position at Sherwin to move over to Disney. Where you serve as the senior video playback developer, but that that's not all you do. Um, you're also a musician, fitness guy, um, and probably a whole bunch of other stuff you didn't didn't send me. But how do you balance your career and the hobbies and the duties? Well, I should say you you have more than one career actually. How do you balance all of it?
3: Honestly, rest. <laughs> Like realizing that the body has its limits. Um, I'll get you an example. Like just because things seem lawful, doesn't mean that they're expedient. Uh, I'll use a fitness example. I, so I used to work out at Cleveland State University, and like I, I really used to grind with the weight. Great stuff, gym. Right? Great gym. You're right, gym. dude. It's the dude. They got everything. What you get for the money is incredible. But um, like so, I you guys are familiar with calf raises, right? So I I think I I got I worked my way from the very bottom I got up to like 405 pounds with uh, calf raises and my body could do it but I didn't realize now that now
2: were these the standing calf raises or the seated calf raises?
3: These were uh, you know the Smith machine that you yeah. use for uh, squats. Yep. I was doing it off of that machine. Okay. okay. So four plates on each side. Um. Just because the body can do something doesn't mean that it's fighting. What you're doing is fighting against it. So over time, it was weakening the bone, uh, the Jones bone or something in my foot, and it didn't. My my foot didn't break during the exercise. I went to go hoop, and on the first play, I caught the ball, faked, got my guy in the air, ran to the right, and my foot cracked, and I never felt instant pain like that in my life. So the whole point is just because you have all these passions and goals and ideals, doesn't mean that you can always act on them all at once. So uh, getting back to your original question, um, I have to build an amount of rest. I have to be strategic about how I spend my time. Um, I really do enjoy coding, but if I only do one thing, then I'm going to be burnt out for that one thing. So that's where I incorporate music. Um, You know, My personal worship, that's my excuse to like, actually dig into you know practicing bass or drums or keys which is why bases are right in you know the back of my room um sometimes i might not be able to get on my drum set i'll get on my practice pad at least monday through friday or you know practicing for church you know i'll jump on the organ or keys and make sure that i'm locked in being able to have diversity in problem solving really keeps your mind sharp but then also building in rest is super important. So like I have a lot of passions, but I realized that there are limits to how many things I could do in the day and I have to build in the rest
2: aspect. Wow, wow. So senior video playback developer for Disney streaming, how big is that?
3: Dude, I, I'm, still, I'm still processing it. Um, and if you don't mind, I'm gonna step back a little bit. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead so I, I was working at Sharon williams I was brought in to help bridge the gap between the global user experience team and the developers, like a team of like 30 developers. Uh, the issue was that they wanted to upgrade their code base, and they needed someone who knew the new technology, if you will, called React, um, but also had experience with like graphic design and research and being able to design stuff, basically. And so Sherwin Williams found me, reached out to me. Um, I had certain conditions. They were able to meet them for the most part. I I joined the team. But then I started to feel towards the end of last year like, God, I feel like you might be pushing me in another direction. I need to let you please let me know. And then within a couple of days, uh, my new manager at Disney reached out to me, did not know me at all, uh, and said, Hey, based off your skills and experience, we think you'd be a great fit. So, like, I I did not realize how powerful Disney was, and I'm still figuring it out. But, you know, Disney owns like everything. And uh, just to kind of zero into specifically what the position is about, um, all of Disney's video, whether it be movies or TV shows or whatever it is, um, how you're able to view them is because there's a video playback engine that kind of makes everything work. And that's what I actually code. Uh, So uh, I'm actually new to the video space. But the reason why uh, my manager, who's actually the guy who built the thing from scratch, trusted me to come in is because the learning aspect. If you're someone who's able to learn and pick up concepts and you're self-driven or motivated, then you can nine times of 10 learn uh, this stuff, even though there's a steep learning curve. So keep me in your prayers, but, uh, man, it's, it's way bigger than I would have ever imagined, but it's a Testament to how real God is and how faithful he is. And his plans are way bigger than our plans that we can contrive. So
2: (laughs) nice, man. Nice brother.
3: Thank
1: you, man. Hey, before you uh, move on CJ, I want you to, uh, if I'm, if I'm saying it right, correct me if I'm wrong, you went through something health wise, health wise in your life, right? Yeah. So like, uh, (laughs) jump into that and explain that story and tell us how you managed to get through that. Yeah,
3: honestly. So I'll start, I mean, I had like my appendix move removed and it was a major thing for me, but I know it's a really more or less common. Um, but like that was my first medical bill and like, uh, I was like, Oh snap. Like I, I have medical coverage, but you know, you know there's still overs that has to be paid and so learning how to you know work the system and get everything up to par and really made me zero in on my health and that's really a time where i started really getting into fitness and making sure i had like a long-term goal of i need to be healthy i want to be fit and mobile and when i put my body in a position to be able to handle whatever life throws at it that's my long-term goal but then Uh, Or that's my mission. My long-term goal is I want to stay in a size 32 pant, you know, Uh, and then my daily task is I need to be active for 50 minutes every day. Being able to set those types of goals are crucial or you'll fall off the wagon. Um, And then like I I just told you about the second major thing for me, which was the uh, foot, breaking my foot, like I have a metal steel plated screw in my foot uh, because of that. And you know, it taught me that there's limits to stuff. You know, you can't do everything just because you think your body can do it. You need to exercise wisdom. There needs to be balance. Um, Just because I want to be strong doesn't mean that I can do everything I see other people doing. (laughs) So, you know, I think my medical past has kind of taught me balance, balance and limits and how to work within a good system for longevity. Um, so yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. Wow. That's incredible, man. So that's why you be hitting that drum drum pedal so hard. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, that bass sound loud. <laughs> right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm... playing bro. You got no, metal dude. foot on the bass drum. Right. You got a <laughs> right, metal right. foot on the bass drum, man. No. <laughs> Super talented dude though, man. In fact, I I don't think I know what all instruments do you play? So, uh,
3: drum set was my first instrument and then um what seventh grade I I got just finished practicing for like an hour and I felt leading of the holy spirit saying you know you should pick up bass and keys and so at that moment I stopped playing drums and I I talked to mom and dad I was like mom and dad I want to play bass and keys and they laid hands on me and I started playing bass and keys around the same time Later on in life um, is when I got access to our church's organ, and that's when I started playing organ, so around maybe right when I started college, so uh, four instruments, uh, and playing those really uh, are really fun, and give gives me a hobby to kind of invest in that I can in turn give right back to God, so it's awesome, man.
2: Wow, man. So, I, I only play one, so I really feel like a loser right now. I have to say that <laughs> Come <minute>. on, man. <laughs>
3: it's funny, though,
2: because I stand by this, and no one will ever change my mind. I feel like if you can play
1: keys, you can play any instrument.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, and, and keys are usually the priority, right? So, it's just like, if we need any musician to carry a service or for any type of event, the first person they're gonna want to have is the guy on on keys. Hold on real Without, quick, time out. Hey, you, it's, let's, it's just, set, let's just throw it out there. My <laughs> man,
1: me and my man Carlin, actually we, we sung uh background for the church praise team. So I just yeah. want to throw that out there, man. <laughs> we was part of the tender section holding it down every Sunday. So there you go. There you go, Carlin. That's that's our shout out right there because there Car-
0: I, I honestly I do think that if it was a choice between you know our vocal instrument and the keys I think the vocal instrument is a little bit more important uh, you know, <laughs> right, right service so. <laughs> speaking of which
3: speaking of which Colin is into composition as well although yes. you don't see him playing the instrument on sundays he's very much into composition whether it's like composing uh lyrics or music he's very much into that so so Appreciate
2: so that. i have a question for the brothers so mm-hmm. um I was reading your bios, or I read them when you first sent them, and then I read them again. And I'm thinking, like, I I texted. I said, "Man, did you did you read these bios? Man, these dudes are are brilliant." So I'm wondering, like, just from a healthy brotherly relationship standpoint, how much do y'all be in competition with each other?
3: Mm, Okay, so that's one of the things that was not allowed in our household. Yeah, and it was like an unspoken thing, like dynamic.
2: (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> literally,
3: so literally, so literally, actually, you know, I, and I think a lot has to do with maturity. Um, as you grow closer to Christ, he gives you how to view other people, including those closest to you. I fed off my brother's example. Like I think I told you guys in conversation but a couple of weeks ago, college, like that was a, you know, I came in thinking I was prepared. I was I started as accounting major took my first accounting course and um, economics and statistics course and realized I hated it. It's not so much that I couldn't do the work. It's just that, like, I don't want to do this as a career. Like, I will will not like it. At that point, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know about the computer uh, science track. My sister actually told me about it. And I started that track. My brother had already started coding, and he was still in, by that time, he was just he was a senior in high school. Carlin helped me through college. Like, because I started the computer science track, like right between, uh, uh, I started at an awkward point. So, I took all types of courses out of order. So, I took a really high level course when I should have been taking a, a lower level. So, Carlin was able to help me because he got into it first. So, uh, getting back to your original question, there really wasn't that competition aspect. If anything, I actually benefited from my younger brother's knowledge and passion for computers and uh, coding and stuff like that. And that's a blessing. And honestly, like, I I think part of the reason why we still have a good relationship to this day is deeper than just that we're brothers, because even that can be abused at some point. But I really think it's really leaning into God and you know giving a complete yes and being like, hey. Do they can do then? I'm going to seek to understand my brother and feed off of what he's doing, and uh, I've, I feel like that's really worked
2: for me. I got a quick question, Willie. Do you have any brothers?
1: No, I have cousins that I'm close to that we you would think were brothers. Man, that's what's up,
2: bro. And we compete all the time, still to this day. <laughs> see, see, I don't have any brothers, so I'm a little jealous. Right Honestly, now. okay, so let me let me rewind a little bit. Nah, I'm joking, I'm joking, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so but no, that's 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 incredible, man. Cause you you rarely get the opportunity to see that. Like, okay, you mentioned you're growing up in the church and whatnot, and in the Bible it talks a lot about family. And nowadays, especially in our community as black men. You don't really see brothers. I'm talking about the ones who are actually related, being able to come together like that. Now, you said you weren't in competition with him. I wonder if Carlin felt like that. But anyway, Carlin, <laughs> let's, let's, let's dig into your career because you have a really interesting uh, work experience, your resume from where you are now to all throughout college. I wanted you to talk a little bit about because you did a lot. I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. You went to Case, right? Yes. We went to Case. So tell us about that experience and how it led up to where you are now. Um, yeah. It, it, one,
0: you know, we, we always go to God, pretty much everything being, just try to have an ultimate perspective of gratitude. That's why I always going to hear a shout out God for like every question you're going to ask us. Uh, but, um, you know, I was wrapping up high school you know, kind of just apply to area institutions, you know, cases in the backyard of Heights. Um, and I was you know, grateful to be accepted. And so, you know, pretty much from great, you hit the ground running, you know, get uh, during the summer before school starts, they bring you on campus. And again, I'm a curious person. So I'm asking all the staff around me, like, who is this? Who does this? You know, who I kind of a. Um that kind of stereotypical, ambitious kid who doesn't know their place, kind of. Um, So I literally was like, who runs the IT at case? Who's the CIO? And oftentimes what, what happens is those in authority and position of power, you know, they get intrigued by, like, the young guy who isn't afraid to ask questions. And then even further, because I was a young Black guy, it was, like, totally an anomaly. So here's, you know, some kid who hasn't even graduated high school, who got accepted, who's asking to meet with the, like, CIO of Case Western Reserve University. And so, I mean, you know, I'm grateful that he was someone who was open and willing to say, hey, let me, you know, see what this is all about. Met with me, say, you know what, once you start school, I got a job for you. Um, and it, things kind of snowball from there. Uh, Being able to kind of at a very early age have my coworkers, my peers really in the workplace be, you know, those like 50 and up with, you know, positions of power, being able to talk and get comfortable and, you know, be confident in myself. I'm 17, 18 years old, and yet I'm already being able to start transacting at like a kind of a more fully baked adult level. And so without going, you know, super long into it, you know, between what I studied, being able to get internships at kind of related tech type of stuff since I'm studying tech in college, you know, the approach didn't end. At every job I ever had, I would always request, if I could, to meet with my bosses, meet with the head of the company, like, hey, what is it that you do? You know, uh, how do you go about your job? Why'd you get into it? Basically reverse interview them, you know? Um, but what I found is that by the time I graduated, having done that at every job I was at, I realized that that process in of itself is uh, kind of what I'm interested in, understanding a business, the hows and whys of it. And so by the time I graduated, I was like, do I want to just, you know, get a normal job and be kind of like a typical cog in the wheel, You know, punch in eight you know, nine to five and do my thing, go home. And I realized instead this, I exercised the activity of asking questions and getting understanding so much that that's actually what I wanted to do. And I realized it kind of mapped closely to kind of consulting. Um, And so um, I ended up, you know, as soon as I finished my master's, I uh, filed Papers State Ohio, created LLC. And I was able to... uh, you know, just kind of tell all the folks in business and technology that I worked with, hey, I'm doing this thing. And it was kind of slow going at first, but you know, I've been able to sustain one to two projects, you know, every year ever since, um, without much overlap. And I'm kind of I'm grateful for it. Uh
1: okay, so I have a two-part question, right? So since it's two of you, obviously. I'm going to ask CJ one question. I'm going to ask Carlin the other question. So CJ, you are the youngest, so you get the... No, you're the oldest, so you get the first question. <laughs> so the first question is, what are some of the challenges you face like being in the, the tech industry? And for you, Carlin, you can work on your question while he's answering this. Your question is, I want you to explain to the audience if you face any, if you notice any racism or... <laughs> in in your Mm. industry, being young, black, well-educated in in an industry. And did you feel like maybe other races or cultures were intimidated by, wow, we got these two knowledgeable, because we got these two knowledgeable young black black men and that's like something to where that could scare them and they could get like, just be scared and not like, yo, this is scary. This is not what we don't like. So that's your question. So CJ explain to us some of the challenges you face.
3: Absolutely. So just at a fundamental level, uh, focus is uh, definitely something that you can struggle with in my field. Like it's so easy to you graduate from college and say, hey, I have this fundamental skill set and then it'll be 10 years later and you're still doing the same job. Sometimes it's just out of fear that you stay in one place. Or sometimes you're just happy to do what you do, and that's completely acceptable. I think that's definitely a thing, though. Like knowing what you enjoy, knowing what type of person you are, like, are you someone who likes to find a niche and stay in it, or do you want to expand your horizons by learning new things? And many times, learning new things uh, and being able to implement them uh, comes through new job opportunities. So. F- I think focus is definitely a challenge um, in my field. Another thing too is, you know, the elephant in the room, most times I'm always, I'm pretty much in every situation, I'm the only black person uh, or the only person who, of color uh, uh, in the spaces that I'm in. And so that is absolutely an obstacle sometimes, um, at least mentally or subconsciously, uh, when you've had a history of Racial discrimination or someone stereotyping you. Like, this is stuff that you think about. Uh, uh, And if you don't allow God to heal you from your past with those experiences, you know, it'll affect what you say or how you think about someone or what you do. Um, Another thing, too, is setting your standard. Like, you can't let everything fly in your atmosphere. Uh, Although you're employed maybe by someone or you agree to work with someone you and yourself are valuable and so you set the standard of what can and can't fly um disrespect is not tolerated um and you have to be willing to speak up for yourself uh because some people are just insecure and they don't they don't realize what they're doing or maybe they do either way if you don't speak up for yourself uh, there might be someone watching you who's also like really feeling the effects of you not sticking up for yourself. Um, so that's super important. So uh, I'd say focus is really important. Um, keeping a level head, even when you're the only person of color, maybe, or the only black person, is very important. And sticking up yourself is very important. I think another aspect too is being willing to learn and evolve. Um, I think at least for me, uh, staying in one area, I would have probably burnt out and maybe said, hey, maybe i want to do something else. But uh, as I really prayed and sought God about what my life would be, uh, God began to give me encouragement and inspiration to change things up. So to not stay in one space of software, but to learn new things.
1: So before you get to your question, Carlin, I just want to like comment on what CJ just said, because you guys do come off to me as two gentlemen that don't get comfortable. Like you're always willing, like you said, to evolve or to try something new. Most people in life, people will get a job at Sherwin-Williams and be like, yo, I'm good. This is a good job. You weren't afraid to. You know what, man? I want my next channel. Let's try Disney. So that's another thing, man. Like, God, man, your your parents prepared you guys so much, man. It comes off you, man.
3: I really appreciate that. I'd say one aspect of that is we could have ignored everything they said. Honestly, we had to opt into that. And a big part of that was really allowing the trials of life to draw us to Christ. He's been the thing that's anchored us uh, and really given us focus and vision um, because, like, honestly, you know, you could get all, you can go to church and get all the perfect preaching and holiness, holiness, holiness. You need to do X, Y, and Z, but unless it really gets good to you and you really start following it, will you reap the benefits of it? So I'm thankful for our parents, but I'm also thankful that I was willing to actually listen and obey because uh, I feel like I'm reaping the benefits of that.
2: Sweet, it's Carlin. You're up. Yeah.
0: uh, So you ask about, you know, kind of my experiences in my career if I've, you know, been witness to kind of discrimination and situations like that. I'm grateful that I haven't experienced very overt racism or overt, you know, stereotyping and discrimination. But what I have experienced multiple times is kind of like a secondary effect of it, at least in hindsight, when I think about the situation, I'm like, this happened because of who I am and what I look like. And so what I mean by that is benefit of doubt. You know, We've been talking about our family and how we, very healthy environment. Um, I'm also talking about Cleveland Heights, University High School District, very diverse, amazing atmosphere. And so what you do is you, you know, you grow up comfortable around different types of people, people who don't act like you think like you fit your shape and your mold. And so when, if that's your 24-7, you are comfortable around people that aren't like you, right? Um, And so you don't, you know, yeah, you're aware of racism, you're aware of people who may not like you for random reasons, but you know, to be frank, you know, all the white people I grew up with in school and in college, they were cool people. They, they didn't have crazy views. So I was able to, you know, uh, have so many positive experiences. That I'm not going to say I had a blind eye to how that couldn't be. It's just it hadn't happened a lot. And so what happened is in one of my first jobs out of school, there was a situation where there's really two ways to go. Look, Harlan made, you know, made a kind of like an accounting mistake, right? Like he put, you know, said he was there for 10 hours when he was there for not. And it was like a legit honest mistake, one of which wasn't that major. But literally the way that it went was they assumed it was malicious. Now, grant you, I have never been in trouble in my life. Like I have like this amazing, great track record the way I got the job was through like glowing reviews and all this. And at this first incidence of like a minor slip up, it's like I'm just, you know, there you go. Just knew it. This, you know, thug black young boy criminal who's trying to figure out a way to scan the system. That's basically kind of like the uh, draconian approach they took to the situation. I'm like, it it blindsided me. My guard was completely down because I just assumed that Ah, oh, hey, I'm I'm Carlin. I'm 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 this guy. You know, of course, they'll understand it was a simple mistake. You know, blah blah blah. We'll move on. Hey, no B, right? No, and it was like, whoa! It opened my eyes to like, you know, there's no way if this this situation was different, you know, would they have gone this route? And so from that moment on, I was like, okay, my guard went up a little bit. You know, to stop being you know so open eyed. I would say one one last thing is with a client of mine Uh, about a year and a half later after this, um, you know, let's just say when you enter a project, you set expectations up front. Hey, our goal is to accomplish ABC. And maybe we said we want to do it at six months. So six months comes and only A and B are accomplished. But meanwhile, during that six months, there was things that happened where we kind of changed the scope. We changed what A and B meant. So there's like a lot of things going on that wasn't that said, okay, it's not straightforward. You know, so I'm thinking we're on the same page about where things are at. But near the end of that project, it was like this kind of blow up in the sense of, you know, this guy basically was saying, you know, I have trust issues with Carlin in the sense of you know, I thought we were going to do X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And I feel like you were, you know, blah, blah, blah to me. And I was like, wow. Like, I, again, it's a mismatch in understanding and communication styles that frankly wouldn't have happened. And I'm speaking kind of vaguely here, but it was very much something that made me feel like, okay, if I would look different or was different, you know, this situation would have played out so totally different. And so I think the quick way to say it is, while I was blessed to have a great environment that made me not have to worry about issues of discrimination or racial, the world we live in is the world we live in. And you, sometimes you have to have experiences that open your eyes and then moving forward, you say, okay, let me guard myself, protect myself, that I'm not going to assume everyone is bad or has a bad spirit or thinks horribly about me. But let me just make sure I do things in a way so it doesn't give an opportunity for someone to misinterpret your actions, misinterpret your your intent. And yeah, sometimes that means um, it might feel like I have to, you know, not express myself the way I fully I want to. You know, we talk about code switching, you know, changing how you talk in certain environments. You know, you should never feel like you've got to suppress your Black culture. But you recognize that sometimes if, hey, if I'm about to literally meet with a bunch of eighty-year-old white women, maybe there are some things I can do to make them feel a little bit more comfortable, right? <laughs> so uh, that it, it's a long-winded answer to your question, but so no, I can't say you know someone called me the N-word at work, but you know I would say the experience kind of felt like it afterwards.
2: No, we like long-winded like, it, answers. It, yeah, yeah, we like long-winded answers, and I'm gonna <laughs> tell you this: I have an experience quote-unquote overt racism, but exactly what you just said, that covert, like where they're having different conversations with you than they're having with maybe somebody that looks just like them, or you kind of notice... Privileges are being given or positions are being granted or, you know, sort of that esoteric type of feel to it. Absolutely. I know know exactly what you're talking about. But look, that's the reason why we got the Black Culture Podcast. We can talk about this stuff freely. We don't have to hold back because you said something earlier, CJ. You were talking about setting boundaries within the workplace and somebody may be watching you. And they may be going through the same thing, but somebody also may be watching to see how you handle it because they want yes. to know how far they can go with you. Right. Yep,
3: exactly, man. You right. have to set those yeah. guardrails, because honestly, if you want to have peace at night, you need to know that, hey, given the circumstance, I exercised my power. I, I didn't do anything that was against God. I set some boundaries And you know what? Whatever happens, it's in God's hands, man. But if you want peace, um, one thing I struggled with for a long time was fear, the fear to do whatever, man. And one of those things was, okay, am I really sticking up for myself? You know, I know my future is in your hands, God, but, you know. Like, do I really feel comfortable enough to like really speak up and make sure that my voice is heard? And that's something I really had to work on. But I'm so glad I went ahead and did that. That way I can step into any situation, read the temperature and be like, hey, this is what's gonna happen. You won't speak to me this type of way. Here's what I can do. And uh, this is what it is, man. And people will respect you for that. Um, I can give you a small example. Um, in my position at Sharon Williams, it was very much a leadership role an architect role. So, not only was I coding and pairing with developers to help them implement code, but I was giving presentations to higher ups in the companies, showing them, hey, we accomplished all of this stuff. Um, but, you know, one particular thing um, a former developer who went over to the user experience side was trying to get me to implement a new technology. Uh, that I didn't feel like could work and I felt that should be a conversation before we we go get into that type of thing. And you know this guy who actually was a part of my interview process was like, hey, you know what? you know, if you just use your soft skills, maybe you can just force your way. I'm like, dude, watch your mouth first of all. Second of all, this type of thing is a you know, we need to have a conversation around these things. I'm dealing with other senior level developers who need to make this, decision I can't just force my way and so I say that all to say you need to learn how to put up guardrails realize that some people they say stuff and do stuff to you based off of you know stereotypes and yep, exactly. preconceived notions yep. and you can't let that get to you you can't allow that to destroy your witness you have to be professional you have to pray you need to be able to stay step back and not be super reactive. Um, And so that's those are some of the things I've learned over the time. And I'm not perfect. But ultimately, I know that everything in life, God controls because he's the source of all good. And if I really pray God will help make me who I'm supposed to be in these situations. So I don't go to bed wondering like, man, did this guy just like railroad me?
2: (laughs) It's funny you Um, say that. Cause
1: I used to be a, like, I was all, I was never really like that confident. The person you see now, was not the person I was. So I would have moments where I would be in bed and I like, man, I should have said this or man, I should have done that. And like you said, that'll like eat you up. So yeah, man. I got confidence. It wasn't like a disrespectful type, but like you said, like setting boundaries, like, yo, no, know, like, that's not how we are about to do this. You're not about to talk to me like that. So yeah, everything you touched on was right. But so we got about six minutes left. I got a question for both of you guys. I want you guys to, for the, the younger generation coming up that want to get into the tech industry or want to get into music, what is some advice that you would give them?
3: I, I'll i go first. I think the most important thing is focus. You need to have, I'd say, admission. Like, I want to get into technology, but I have to have, a. I want a specific focus. Um, another thing is, like, and by the type of person who's willing to accept ongoing challenges, when it comes to uh, writing software, uh, there is a fundamental core that remains true, regardless of what programming language you're using. But things change, there are different practices, similar to accounting, where you have to reapply for certification, that type of thing. There are things that change in software development. Uh, and you have to be willing to learn those things. Um, So figure out what type of person you are. Uh, Are you someone who kind of likes to find their lane and stay in it? Or are you someone who likes to evolve with the times? Um, Another thing too is there are free resources online um, to get into like software development or web design. Take advantage of those things. YouTube is your best friend. There's also like uh, sites like udemy.com where you can purchase for like 15 bucks a really good course that's an intro all the way to advanced in like web design or like C sharp programming or, you know, React JS programming. So really utilize the internet and uh, YouTube uh, as a means of getting your palate wet uh, for software development. And then also look for people who do ultimately what you see yourself doing and don't feel uh, inhibited to ask questions. You know, that person has the option of responding or not responding. If you don't get the response that you want, don't let that discourage you. Keep doing the work, keep studying, keep practicing, keep, uh, take the reins and really, uh, uh, learn for yourself as much as you can, and then look for people who do what you ultimately want to do.
2: That's awesome, man. So, Carlin, Um... What what advice would you give to up-and-coming black men who are trying to get into this rare rare space of being in tech? I say embrace feeling um, less than and uncomfortable.
0: What I mean by that is you have to hear the advice, try, try not to be the smartest person in the room. And while that, like, at face value seems like, you know, fair advice, hey, it makes sense, you know, be around smart people you can learn from. To actually do that, to kind of have the mindset of being okay with feeling dumb, basically, right? Because that's what it really means is, you know, men have egos. It's just natural for us to want to think of ourselves and really project the parts of ourselves that give us confidence and make us feel good. And we don't like to be put in situations where we feel less than, right? But if you're willing to embrace feeling kind of diminished or feeling uh that you're not so amazing if you're if you can make yourself feel comfortable with that that's where you can reap the benefits of so much opportunity Um, it's it's partly like it's a humbling mindset it's a mindset of humility to be able to say hey you know what i have no idea what i'm doing here but you know what i have a desire to learn can you help me and that's another part of it. Being willing to, if you can accept that there are people that are going to just be better than me or more, you know, smarter than me, uh, and say, "Hey, I recognize that in you. Hey, you've been there, you've done that. I'm trying to do this. Can you help me?" Um, and, and the reason why I go that route is, it's really my the true advice I have is being willing to ask for help. But sometimes it's hard to even get to that point. If you're unwilling to recognize that you need it, or you feel too inhibited to put yourself in the atmospheres where you're around people who can help you. Um, and, and so, you know, in tech, oftentimes you're going to be the only Black person. And sometimes it's, you're going to want to f- try to say, hey, I deserve to be here. I'm smart. I'm capable. I, you know, it's not just, I'm not just the token hire or something, right? But if, you're, if you go so hard on that, when there are situations where it's like, man, I would love to ask for help, or I would love to uh, get some support here, you spent all this time trying to build this invincible wall, and now you, you, f- you don't feel free to ask for help, you know? So I'd say if you can, you know, take that, hey, you know what, there's something I can learn from everybody, over time, you will find that you do become more excellent. Because you're saying everyone can be, a, I can learn from any opportunity. I can learn from any situation. You, it also helps with your empathy. You stop, you, instead of looking at people for like, this is what they can do for me, or this is what their limitations are, you start thinking about, hey, what can I learn from them, right? And, and so, you know, if the question is, how do you get into tech? I'd say try to adopt a mindset like that. You can go really, really, really far.
2: Perfect. Perfect. And look, I know you guys have to go. Um, so I, w- I want to end on this. Um, if I'm not mistaken, both of you guys are single, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So yes. where you are in your career right now, where you are in life right now, what does the future look like for you? What are future aspirations as it pertains to your career, as it pertains to family life and just life in general, what does the next five, 10 years look like for you?
3: Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I love to uh, say, you know, God, we make plans, God laughs. But ideally, next five, 10 years, I'd love to be married with children. Uh, that's always something that I want. And one of the cool things that I always saw my dad do, or one of the things my dad said he did when he was younger was when he was 15, 16, he began praying for who his family would be. And so as soon as I heard him say that, I was like, whoa, you know what? I'm gonna start praying now. And not only am I going to pray for what I want my family to look like and how, to be, I want to make sure that I'm better in myself so that I'm prepared for what God has for me. And so, yeah, next five, 10 years, I'd love to be married to the most beautiful woman in the world with the most beautiful children in the world. And I want to be able to impart me and my wife to be able to impart into my children all the things that we've learned um, and just in the natural world, but also spiritually, man. And we'll see what happens, man. The Lord delays His coming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice,
0: bro. Uh, I well, ditto to everything he said. I agree. Uh, some of my set. I say, uh, so that I agree with him totally. Everything he said on family, uh, career-wise. Hey, if I could be retired. Yep. Uh, in like the next couple of years you know so by the time I'm 32 retired that's the goal yep. <laughs> and you know what And they just... Just... just have fun the rest of my life so like you know I feel like it's okay to keep having those like childhood style dreams when you were kids you said hey I want to be the richest man in the world I want to be successful right but I think it's okay as even adults to still say stuff like because it, it's something to strive towards. And hey, you know, the cheesy saying, shoot for, you know, the, you know, was it Star Land amongst the stars, whatever yeah, the, yeah, whatever yeah. the thing is. I feel like it's okay to, you know, say, hey, I want to be retired by 32. Never know. Maybe that means I actually become retired by 40. I'd take that. I'd be happy, you know? So um, but I would say, yeah, definitely have it be a family man and try to repeat. The positive environment
2: I had as a kid coming up for maybe my kids. Nice, nice. Well, all right, man. We got the brothers in tech, Carlin <laughs> Jackson, Cedric brothers Jackson Jr. The Jacksons. Uh, yes, sir. The, the, these are the real Jacksons, right? Here. I was about to say my <laughs> my favorite Jacksons. <laughs> right. These are real Jacksons. Well, hey man, we really appreciate you guys for taking the time out, getting up on this early cold chilly morning and uh yeah man we gonna we definitely gonna have to do this again sometime absolutely
3: thank you guys for having us it's an honor man Love what you guys are doing
0: absolutely so much so amazing to be on a, a, a heights podcast wow.
2: <laughs> oh, nice. i love it i love it
0: throw right. up, man. i never even thought about that wow <laughs> well, we're right. so honored to have you as our guest lily those <laughs> <Man. laughs> three heights co-host
2: all, right. <laughs> all right fellas it's the black culture podcast good morning all right god bless you, god bless you.
0: I'm <laughs> going <laughs>